right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. is black, the color of broken moons forgotten at the edge of the universe. Standing at the entrance to the dank cavern, I sway a bit as my head swims. Finish the last of the whiskey, toss the bottle through the chain link gate, out to the edge of the cavern entrance, out where the rain will hit it when it falls. It shatters against the rock, dozens of shards glinting in the dark reflecting the brilliance of the spotlight we rigged on that first night. I don't need the bottle no more. Ain't nothing left to fill it. I snort at the heat, adjust my bloodstained workout clothes, same clothes I was wearing during our mad dash to this place, from our broken down Grand Cherokee to these cabins I know so well. Far cry from the uniform I once wore here five days a week, year after year. Blood ain't mine. I got out of that jeep with my wife, Amelia, my 15-year-old son, Clark, and our beagle, Hefty. I arrived at the entrance with Hefty and Clark. Been seven days since then. Clark disappeared on the third, out into the half-forest, half-desert that lies just outside the entrance of the cavern. That's when we started locking the gates at night, when we began to wander about the black rain. When I started drinking again after 21 years without a drop, I found the other survivors here roasting hefty two days later. They never told me who did it. So I beat three or four of them within an inch of their lives before they beat me within an inch of mine. I came to a day after that, feeling sore, defeated, and 10 years older. We finished hefty off the next day. Didn't want his death to be a waste. We ain't eaten since. I ran out of bottled water yesterday. The others been drinking that black rain water, but I ain't about to do that. 
Ain't no clue what I'm gonna do. Per passes me, pretending he's going to look for food, pretending he ain't sneaking out to meet Monica. To eat some secret stash of food, or screw, or get high. He smirks, glares at me with them ugly eyes of his, yellow tinged and the color of ground stone. Drinking will not make this go away, Harriet, he says. His Swedish accent is as thick as the hunger that growls in all of us. The hunger, he pretends, as hard as he can, don't exist. But his cheeks are thin and his ribs bulge. I savor his annoyance and my lack of response. Right as he begins to scoff and turn, I say something. Ain't nothing will make this go away. You've got Monica and she's got you. I ain't got nothing. I smirk as he shakes hair like thin straw out of his face. Half of it washed out by the spotlight. My drinking, y'all's time together, I shrug. None of it matters no more. He turns to leave, but I grab his shoulder with a shaking hand. What do y'all think you're doing going out there, night after night? When it could rain at any minute, he knocks my hand away. And I stumble to the floor of the cave, my hands breaking my fall. I stay there for a bit, my head spinning. He spits beside me, flecks hitting my face, the blood sticky on my hand. It has not rained for three days now, he says, his voice clipped, precise. We just want some privacy. What does it matter to you? You might act like a police officer. You might have been something like one, but you are not an officer now. That word does not mean anything anymore. I feel the others back in the cave, watching. The laugh builds in my gut. I used to be careful of things like that. Laughing like an idiot this close to the outside world. Back when I would stalk around this park after it closed. Walking deep into the cavern, we've since blocked off with our vehicles and little boulders. Alone with my thoughts on a long shift. I didn't want to scare the wildlife. There ain't nothing to scare now. And so, I laughed. And I can feel his anger rising. I spit where he spit. And I look him in his ugly eyes. You're right, I say. But I'm not the only one with a gun. And if it starts raining when y'all are gone, how I know it's you that comes back, Purr? I pull the nine from my friend waistband now. And I hear the doors of the vehicles blocking the back of the cavern click open and closed. From the corner of my eye, I see the others have exited the trucks they sleep in at night. We're watching this little show. I hold the pistol loose at my side, uncocked. And he eyes it. How do I even know you have bullets left? He says. That you did not use them all on your son out in the dark. That you did not eat him without even sharing with us. His smirk is too much. I swing it in with the pistol, but I'm too slow. And when he hits me, I go down hard pistol clattering across the stone floor. The taste of blood in my mouth is so delicious after so many days without food that I cannot help but cackle again. He ignores my creeping insanity, walks into the heat, into the trees, into the dust and dirt and sand, into the black, into the moonlight that already is fading as heavy clouds roll in. Don't even bother to take the nine. There's a storm coming, purr, I shout. My voice shaking. How will I know it's you what comes back? I swallow the blood 
push myself to my knees. How will I know, Purr? How will I know? The old woman, Sammy or Sandy, walks up behind me, puts her hand on my shoulder. She's holding my nine. Let's close the gate, Harriet. Let's just close the gate. She reeks of starvation. I nod. We scrape the doors of the gate against the rock, the metal protesting and the rock grinding. We push together, and I can hear a sharp inhale at the center of my blood. She don't bite me. We close the gate together. It's little more than diamonds of chain link fence drilled into the rock and made into a gate by park rangers a decade or two ago. But they've held for days against what comes in the rain. We throw the chains around the bars as the clouds obscure the moon, leaving only the spotlight. We snap the padlock closed. The woman puts her rough hand on my shoulder. Her eyes glint green. I sway with the drunkenness and the blow to my head. Come lie down, Harriet. We can look for food again in the morning. There ain't no food. My voice echoes in the cavern. I smash my fist into the wall, leaving a handprint of blood. Sandy stares at her, licks her lips, but she don't move. I ain't sure when it happened, but the others crept up on us, close enough to spit. Can't hardly think between the hunger and drink. They stare at me, huddled together, eyes glinting green. I take a deep breath. Sammy holds her hands together tight, stares at the rock floor of the cave, long hair falling over her face as she trembles. My voice shakes. I've looked every day, I say. Even the day y'all killed Hefty. Even, even when Clark disappeared. Even then, I looked. Even after it rained. Every day, Sammy. Or Sandy. Or whatever the hell your name is. There ain't nothing out there. For miles. There's water. Oh, there's plenty of that. We'll never have to worry about dying of thirst. But it's all that black garbage. New idiots can drink it back there in them trucks. They keep you all so safe. But I ain't touching none of that stuff. Water like ink everywhere you look. But no animals, no birds, no insects, nothing. You're from around here, ain't you? Texan? She nods. She won't look at me then you know there should be a damn squirrel or cicada or something out there. Nothing. We can keep this gate closed or leave it open. It don't matter. I sigh. Everything hitting me at once. Ain't none of it matters. I slump forward. She catches me. Leads me deeper into the cave. Helps me onto one of the carts in the corner away from the vehicles. I can hear her whispering to the others. She's just drunk, she says. Let her rest. She'll sleep it off. I'll hold her gun. The ceiling of the cavern spins above my head. The night is blacker than black outside the spotlight. Its light fades into the emptiness outside the cavern, only making the darkness seem darker. It don't matter, I mumble, yawning. Let him come in this time. It don't matter. I wake to wordless singing and the patter of rain. My throat constricts, my heart beats against my ribs, my mouth dries. It always starts with singing. 
like tapes of them monks from the dark ages, a chanting. I never know how it will end. I sit up. My head spins. I taste sour bile and whiskey. The hunger gnaws. Singing is like something from an ancient place. Something my bones remember. I feel a lump against my back. I pull out my 9mm that I only carried when I was out with the family. I reach under the cot for my whiskey. Remember that I finished it earlier. Remember that Per and Monica are still out there. Gates still chained and locked. They never came back. My chest tightens. The singing gets louder. I cover my ears. But it only grows louder. The air smells wet and icy in the summer heat. The singing stops. And the gate clatters. Though I see no shadow at the chain link fence. A whisper sounds from just behind the lock. And the words are for me. As they always are. Sounds so much like Purr. Harriet, it's me. Can't you let me in? Monica's with me. The gate shakes now. No one is there. She's too smart for that, Purr. Monica's voice says. She ain't got no accent no more. Aren't you, Harriet? You're too smart for us. Her ivory smile shines in the moonlight. Yes, so smart, Harriet. You won't open for us. But I think you'll open for Amelia, won't you? No. 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 I'm screaming now, smashing my hands into my ears. Per and Monica standing at the gate, smiling. Their clothes are clean and pressed. Her's hair is cut and styled. Monica's bedazzled jeans and boots shine, her skin glowing. Her's cheeks are full and healthy. He smiles at me, chews a piece of jerky. His eyes glinting with mischief. He offers a piece through the gate. I pull out my pistol, and he raises both hands in mock defeat. Sorry, officer, don't shoot, he says as he continues to chew. Monica breaks into airy laughter like a babbling brook. <laughs> Her black hair shines with hell. Eyes are deep green. She won't shoot us, will you, Harriet? Not now that we've brought you her. You'll thank us, won't you? I aim the pistol at them. I can feel the others behind me, watching. All they ever do is watch. Amelia don't walk forward. It's hefty. He leaps out of the darkness, barking and whining and scratching at the gate. I drop to my knees, start to reach forward, almost set the nine down, my cheeks wet. Hey, boy, I say, my voice cracking. I want so bad for it to be real. Hey, hey there. His whining is desperate now, his eyes rolling in his head. He rolls onto his back, shakes and twitches. One of his seizures put the nine in my waistband, pat my pockets frantically for his pills. Hefty jumps up, his eyes flash like emeralds. I remember how he tasted and almost puked. Black rain is falling, hard and heavy, but Hefty's dry. I shake my hand, throw the bottle of pills at her as hard as I can. 
I pull out the nine. I fire one round right into Purr's skull. He don't move. He don't jerk away or dodge a duck. He just smiles. My giggle is high-pitched, cracked and fast. I shoot him again, then Monica. She laughs and covers her mouth with a delicate hand. I put a bullet in half to good measure. It sings as it ricochets off the rock of the cabin entrance. Wags his tail, barks. His tongue lolling in one of them big goofy smiles. After disappears. Their smiles turn to frowns. I drop to my knees. My shirt soaking with tears. The metal of the hot pistol burns my temple. Hisses and cracks as I smell burning hair. Monica and Purr's eyes go wide. The hands shoot up. The others begin whispering, shuffling. I stop laughing. That wasn't very nice, y'all, I say. I spit the words. That was cruel. I hear footsteps swing around. Sandy's crept within a few feet of me, green eyes blazing in the dark. The others are right behind her. Stop! I shout, pushing the nine harder into my head. Back up. Slow. I swear, she almost hisses. I ain't got nothing left, y'all. I shout. I swear I'll do it. Y'all really messed this one up. Y'all should have brought Amelia. She might have got me. Never saw her die. Back up. All the lies in the cave take several steps back. Her and Monica ain't moved. Tears run down my face. I ain't had water in days, I shout. Y'all could have waited for me to die. Why didn't y'all wait? I know the answer. I'll ask anyway. My voice breaking. Why didn't y'all just wait for me to die? Why? And that's when they do it. The bastards. Per and Monica are gone. And in their place, Amelia and Clark stand. Tears in their eyes. They open their mouths to speak. And I squeeze my eyes shut. Pull the trigger. Wake up, Harriet. No. 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 I said, wake up, my dear sweet Harriet. I squeeze my eyes, but hard fingers grab my eyelids, pry them open. Someone is holding me up, and something that looks like Purr is holding a nine and staring at me and smiling. And Amelia is there, and her face is an insect, cold and false. I try to hit her, but someone holds my arms. She pouts and frowns. Why would you try and hit me, Harriet? It's me, your amazing wife, she says, smiling this absurd smile she never ever had. We saved you. Let her feel ahead, she says to Purr. You won't try anything, will you, Harriet? They release my arm. I swing as hard as I can. The blow glances off not Amelia's jaw, and I can feel a few knuckles shatter. I moan. <gasps> She's glaring now. She grabs my hand, squeezes, and I feel the fingers break. I shriek. 
She holds my broken hand against my smooth temple with no goddamn bullet hole. That's not very nice, Harriet, she pouts. We fixed you. This is how you repay us? I spit in her face. She punches me and my jaw breaks. I puke with the pain and all that comes out is freezing black water. I start to scream again. My throat constricts and I hear Amelia's voice in my head. Good night, Harriet. We love you. And something like love fills my heart. My body stands and its hand mends and it flexes open and closed and it clacks its teeth together and its lips twist into something that ain't a smile and it walks out into the night. You've been listening to The Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Black Rain was written by Adam Fout. For more from Adam, head over to www.adamfout.com or connect with him on Twitter at AdamFout2 or on Instagram at AdamFout. Here at The Night's End Podcast, we've just released a Patreon-exclusive episode called Holes of Silt and Saltwater, written by Dennis Mombauer. Head on over to our Patreon page to sign up and gain access at www.patreon.com forward slash Night's End Podcast. Stay horrific, everyone.